This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. It's great to be with you again. I was here not long ago, and Thurman was gracious in letting me come back to this place. It's my high school reunion, 50 years, if you can believe it, and some of the class are here, and I appreciate them so much for coming. Um, I was reminded the other day that in July of 1969, when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon and walked on the moon, it was a Sunday, and uh, I was in church on Sunday night right here. And after church, our youth group went to Shoney's in Portsmouth. That was the only place to go in those days. And uh, we, somebody brought a little black and white portable television. We plugged it in, and we watched it from there. And it was so exciting. I learned recently that when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, he was carrying with him a swatch of cloth from the wing of the original Wright Brothers 1903 plane, his way of connecting that experience to what he was doing and recognizing that he was building on the labor and the ingenuity and the adventure of those who've gone before. And that's how I feel today. Our high school reunion was across the street at the old Suffolk High School. And between these two buildings, my life was shaped and formed. Great teachers over at Suffolk High, great wonderful classmates, and you. And it's made all the difference in who I have been and the life that I've been able to lead. So again, I say this whenever I come to First Baptist. Thank you for investing in me. Well, I'm retired now as of Christmas Eve. I've uh, started a new life. Retirement lasted a couple of months, and I got bored with it. So I've taken a part-time job, and I'm working now with Guidestone. Do you know Guidestone? It's our denomination's retirement and insurance entity. They handle billions and billions of dollars. Your staff is a part of it, preparing for their retirement. I'm working with them part-time, in a special ministry called Mission Dignity. And I just want to take a minute and tell you about it before I preach today. It's separate from Guidestone, and yet it's under that umbrella because we've learned, we've always known, that a lot of ministers come to retirement age and they're not able to retire. Or they're forced to retire and they have no funds for retirement years. What should be the golden years of their lives, they live in uh, destitution, having to decide whether they'll buy groceries or their medications. How does that happen? Well, in Baptist churches, we're all independent, and so there are a lot of small Southern Baptist churches. Most of them are small, and they were unwilling or unable to provide for the retirement of their pastors. I was blessed in serving five churches over the years in 48 years of pastoral ministry, I served great churches that were thinking about my retirement before I ever was. Jesus was coming back. I was never going to retire. Well, he may come back still. I'm looking for him any day, but I've looked in the mirror too, 
And I wonder who is that guy staring back at me? I don't know who he is, but I'm going to brush his teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. And they were preparing for my retirement, so I was able to do it pretty comfortably, but so many are not. I, my job now is to tell churches about it and to encourage you to give to support them. It's not a lot of money, but uh, it makes a huge difference. 2,500 people are recipients now. Most of them, 60% of them, are the widows of pastors. The wives live longer, and now they are widows, and they are needing our help. I think it's an easy sell. That's why I took the job, because you're thinking right now of an old guy, an old pastor, and you're wondering, well, where is he now? Well, he may be doing well, but he may be suffering. You can help him. You can help her. You can help them uh, have a decent life in their retirement years. It makes a great difference. A couple of our recipients, two or three, are women who are over 100 years of age, and they're still teaching Sunday school in their local churches. They're still at it. They've been faithful. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 that uh, as we have opportunity, we should do good for everybody, especially those of the household of faith. The Bible says, Paul goes on to say, that uh, the elders or the pastors who guide their churches well are worthy of double honor, especially those who labor or minister in the preaching and teaching of the word. So it's our chance to do that. I will encourage you, it's not a high pressure at all, but you've got an offering envelope in your program today. Just take it with you, read it, think about what I've said, and if you want to be a part of this uh, regularly or just one time, fill it out, mail it in, and you'll be a part of making a difference. And it will be so appreciated. And tell others, tell your friends, and encourage their support too. Well, take your Bibles. We're going to preach today a little bit. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible. And number 71, Psalm 71. Psalm number 71, and we'll start at verse 17. In 1922, F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote a short story entitled The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. You may not have read the story, but you saw the movie with Brad Pitt that came out just a few years ago. It's the story of a person who is born as an old man. And as the years go by, he gets younger and younger. Imagine. Imagine all the things he would know as he is now eventually a young man. Kierkegaard said that we can only understand life backwards, but we must live it forwards. If you were writing a letter to your younger self, what would you say? What do you know now you wish you had known then? Well, in our text today, the, the author, I think, is passing on some things he's learned that he wants younger people to know. And so I'm doing that too. We don't know exactly who wrote this one. You'll notice there's no superscription. But we think it was David because we know David wrote Psalm 70 and scholars believe 70 is an introduction to 71. 
And it sounds a lot like Psalm 37, which we know David wrote. So I'm thinking King David, old King David is writing advice. Join me in verse 17. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me to see troubles, many and bitter, you'll restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God for this truth. Well, what have I learned? What do I know now after all these years of ministry and life that I wish I had known then? Well, I thought I, thought I knew it, and I guess I did theoretically, but I've lived to see that it is absolutely true. The things you taught me, well, not you, but older folks who preceded you, the things that they taught me in vacation Bible school and Sunday school and youth group and all of that, they're absolutely true, and I've embraced them with a new vigor in these recent days. Several things I've known, and you can jot these down in your program and take them home with you. I have always had God's protection. That's what I know now. Looking back, I've always had God's protection. 71, if you're there, look at verse 1. If you, Lord, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge... Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. A rock, a fortress. Psalm number three begins by calling him a shield. That's been my experience. And that's been your experience, whether you know it or not. And it's happening now. God is taking care of us. He's our strong fortress. In times of trouble, we can rush to that and be saved. Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he ends it by talking about two men who built houses. One was wise and one was foolish. You know the story. One was wise and one was foolish. They, they had families. They wanted to live in nice homes, and so they, they set out to build one of them was foolish. He was in a big hurry. And so he quickly built his house on sand. The other man, Jesus said, was wise. He also wanted to get into his house, but he took some extra time. He dug deep until he found bedrock. And when he had found it, then he began to build. They both built their houses. They, they might have been close to each other. Everything was good. Everything was happy. Their children played together and all the rest Everything was fine until the winds began to kick up. A hurricane was brewing out there, and it came in with a ferocity no one expected. And the man who had built on sand saw it collapse before his very eyes. The one who had built on the rock, well, he, he lost a shingle or two, but his house stood 
because it was built on a rock. And Jesus ends the sermon, the punchline of it is that so is it with everyone who builds his life on me and my teaching. God's protecting you. He's watching over you. He is the rock. And if you build your life on him, he will see you through. Isaiah 43 says, when you walk through the fire, when you walk through the flood, don't be afraid for I am with you. You don't know all the things that could have happened to you. You know what happened to you, but you don't know all the things he protected you from and how he guided you. I have always had God's protection. Here's the second thing. I've always had God's provision. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and unto this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I have been young and now I am old and I have never seen God's people beg for bread. I've never seen them forsaken. And that's been my experience. God has taken care of me and he's taking care of you too. Philippians chapter 4 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I learned to tithe when I was just a boy. I learned it at home. My wife grew up in a good Christian family and she learned it too. So I don't remember ever not knowing about it. So when we got married, we had a lot to talk about, but that wasn't one of them. We never discussed what we were going to give because we both understood that God had blessed us and we need to, sh to share 10% back with him. And so that's been the way we have managed our lives. Early in our marriage, I was, I was back here for a, a revival, a Bible conference, just to watch it, to participate in it. And an evangelist named Mike Gilchrist, I don't know, he's long gone. I don't know if you remember him or not. But he was here and uh, he took Audrey and me out to breakfast the next day and over, over coffee and napkins, he was writing out principles of Christian stewardship. And he taught us, he taught us not just to tithe, but to give abundantly over and above that. Because you can't outgive God. You can give and then he blesses and it comes back in, in money or, or maybe other kinds of things. But his favor is upon you as you share. Give and it shall be given unto you, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. He's always taking care of me. One way God keeps that promise to supply all our needs, one way he keeps his promise not to forsake us when we're old and gray is by mission dignity. He, he lets us be a part of his keeping that promise. So you cooperate with God when you invest. One of my favorite TV shows right now is, uh, I don't know if you watch it, it's Shark Tank. Do you watch it? I'm just fascinated by it. I, I learn about all these new products, but what I really am amazed, this panel of billionaires are casually, it seems to me, giving out $500,000, a million dollars. They're investing in companies and uh, making dreams come true. And I, I've thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to have so much money that you could just casually invest 
in somebody's dreams. Well, that's not going to happen. It didn't happen for you this week. You didn't become a billionaire. You Oh, the promises you made to God, if, if that would just happen. But I have learned that though I don't have the money, I can invest in people by sharing words of encouragement. I can have a part in blessing somebody just by building them up. God lets us have a part in what he is doing. So I've always had his protection. I've always had his provision. And the promise is that that's going to continue. He's going to see me through. A third thing. I've always had God's purpose for my life. I believe every one of us has a God-given purpose. When, when I was a pastor, I used to, one of my favorite things was baby dedications. And I did them one at a time, not, uh, not a string across the front. And so at our church, we had a lot of young couples and we had baby dedications almost every Sunday. If you're from another church, it's kind of like baptism, but it isn't. It's, uh, we wait for folks, as you saw a, a young guy profess his faith we baptize other churches do something with babies we dedicate them and their parents to raising that child up and I I take the child in my arms and I pray for that baby and I always say something like this God has created this child for a purpose And Lord, I pray that he or she will soon discover that purpose and live their lives for you. And I hope you've made that promise and you understand that he has a purpose for you. It was thrilling to hear about your your mission work this summer. I want to tell you that First Baptist of Suffolk has always been a missions church. Always. It's part of our DNA at First Baptist to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's really where my journey of ministry started. When I was a young teenager, our youth choir went on a mission trip to Jamaica in the West. Now, you've been to Jamaica. Everybody's been now. But in those days, it was such an exotic idea. And we went to Jamaica on a mission trip working with the deaf children of that island and I'll never forget one day we were having devotions and and the leader of that ministry spoke to us and he said God is calling somebody among your group to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and it's clear I didn't hear a voice but almost almost I sensed God saying to me if you will let me use you, then I'll let you preach the gospel and take the gospel all over the world. And he's done that. Well, Audrey and I have traveled just about everywhere, but our last ministry for 16 years was at First Baptist Alexandria, and we had uh, the president of the IMB come and speak one Sunday early on in that ministry and Audrey and I are sitting out together and we rarely would get to do that to listen to somebody else preach and uh, I'm I'm hearing this man talk about missions around the world and my wife is trying to pass a note to me 
And I think, well, that's the most childish thing. That's, that's what kids do, and I, I would resist it. But she kept passing this note to me, and finally I took it, and she had written out, this is where God has placed us. This is how we will reach the world. Because in our church, uh, we have people from all over the world regularly, and others passing through, and it was a chance to make a difference. That's been God's purpose for my life. But now the text says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm no longer a a, a church pastor but I have a ministry of encouragement, a ministry of help. I want to make a difference. Until my dying day, I'm committed to the gospel. Now that's me, but that's also you. If you're a Christian, your baptism, remember when you were baptized up there or somewhere else, that was also your ordination service. You were being ordained to the ministry of carrying the gospel to the world. So get at it. Don't miss an opportunity to share. I was in a church recently. Uh, You might want to try this. I was in a church recently, and it was all said and done, and we were about ready to go. And they have a tradition in that church that before they dismiss, a deacon will come to the front and will talk about how he had the opportunity to share Christ with somebody that week. And uh, he knows a, a week or two out that it's going to be his Sunday. He better do something to have something to say. But isn't that great? We're going to stand before the king one day and he's going he's to ask us, how faithful for you were you? What, what did you do? And you won't compare yourself to Thurman or any pastor you know. You will have to stand and give an account of your life. And we all have the chance to share with, with an Uber driver, with a, a waiter, waitress in a restaurant, a companion who's flying with us from coast to coast. We have a chance to say a word that can point them to everlasting life. The gospel is good news. We ought not be afraid to share it. We ought to do it with joy and a twinkle in our eye. I was on a plane once. I always pray for opportunities, and I was seated by the window, and there were two guys uh, filling the other seats, and we were talking about life and and what we do. They were business people going here and there, and we were chatting and, and getting along nicely. And uh, I told them I was a minister, and I don't like to do that because that kind of shuts down a lot of conversations. It's like uh, telling somebody you're a psychiatrist. Now suddenly they're afraid to, well, they're afraid to say anything. You might find them out. But they asked, so I told them. And I prayed that I'd have a chance to share. And one guy said, well, Don, When you're up there preaching, what is it that you're trying to get across to the people? Wow. And we had an hour more left on the flight. (laughs) 
He asked for it. So I told him what I try to get across, sharing good news of life everlasting. Jesus can come into your life and change you and, and make all things new. It's not a gospel of condemnation. It's a word of hope and restoration. And we offer it many times, not always, but many times people are willing and eager to receive it. I know one more thing I would share with you, and it comes from this text. I know better than I've ever known it before that God has prepared a place for me beyond this life. Jesus was saying goodbye to his disciples in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. One of the disciples, Thomas, raised his hand and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's prepared a place for those who prepared their hearts. Heaven, a wonderful place. The Bible describes it as uh, walls of precious jewels and streets of gold. And I believe that literally, but maybe it's symbolical. Even if it's symbolical, it's pretty great. It's a place prepared for God's people. And one day, one day we'll close our eyes here and we'll open our eyes there and we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. A few years ago, we were in the country of Austria and our, our host took us to some of the old churches in her community and we went to one church it was 500 years old and and uh, I love that sort of thing and there was a cemetery so I was eager to walk out and see the graves and imagine here's somebody that's going to be if I could barely read the stone buried 500 years ago and I was amazed that uh, all the graves were of recent vintage World War II and after and and that surprised me why are there no old graves? And our host explained that in Austria, and maybe it's that way in other countries in Europe, you don't buy a burial plot, you rent it. And uh, you can renew it, you know, but uh, maybe in 10 years, I think it's every 10 years, you have the chance to renew the lease. And so your, your family's gonna do that you know, your widow, your children, they're going to want to come back and lay flowers. But in a hundred years, who's going to visit the grave? Somebody else will be on top and you will be pushed down and there'll be no record above ground of the fact that you ever lived. So you're in a borrowed or a leased tomb. Well, Jesus was too, you remember. He, he was in Joseph of Arimathea's grave but he didn't need it very long so why buy it if you're just going to be there a while we're not going to be there very long the day is coming when there'll be a shout and a trumpet blast and the graves will open and the dead in Christ shall rise 
and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds, others that have gone before, and we will have that wonderful time of reunion. That is the promise. We go through a lot of times of difficulty in our lives. He talks here about troubles, many and bitter. And that may be your experience, I don't know. You may have been through, you may be going through things now that I could not begin to understand. And you're raising the question, where is God for me? What's going to happen for me? Why did God lead me into this mess I am in? And I fall back on a statement by Frederick Beekner. He said, the worst thing may happen, but remember with God, the worst thing is never the last thing. God has more prepared. D.O. Moody, the great evangelist of the 19th century, in his later years would say, one day you're going to read that D.L. Moody of Northfield has died. Don't believe a word of it. I will be more alive in that moment than I have ever been. He's made that promise to you. A place prepared for you who love and honor and serve him. So that's what I would say to any younger folk in the house or watching online. I would say God has been with you all the way and he will be with you all the way through eternity. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father and our God, we thank you for every promise and they're all yes in Christ Jesus. Thank you for seeing us through all the years of our lives and never forsaking us for a moment. Lord, I pray that everyone here will grasp those truths today and will be forever committed to you more than ever before they've been committed to your plan and purpose for their lives. Lord, have your will and way today and in the days to come. We pray in Christ's name. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. 
We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 